there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. When I was a kid, I loved to collect things. And specifically, there were certain things I loved to collect. And two of them will be up on your screen here in just a moment. One of them was G.I. Joe's. How many remember G.I. Joe's? Before they got really big. They got really big at one point. I'm like, that's not a G.I. Joe. That's a G.I. Holy cow, what is that? The ginormous G.I. Joe's. But I remember G.I. Joe's when I was a kid. They were smaller and and uh, that was the G.I. Joe. That was one of the things I loved to collect. In fact, um, I had a barrel of all of my Transformers, G.I. Joe's, and everything else. Um, and the other thing I loved to collect was baseball cards. My kids, I actually, um, very few times in my life do I impress my kids. <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the world can be in awe by you, and your kids are like, whatever. Right? Well, my kids were absolutely in awe when they saw my baseball card collection. And I'm like, be careful, because that could be my retirement at some point. Don't be careful with the edges. And I, I still have like an unbelievable, I actually shocked myself when I realized how much I had, because I had them in storage and, and, and kept safe and, and volumes and volumes of books. And you could just go through them and, and, and lined up and, boxes and when my kids started looking at them they were like that's another one yep and they're looking at all these cards and wow and then I'd show them the special cards this one's worth this amount and this one's worth this amount like this is my retirement right here this is this is your retirement right here and you know you know I looked at all those things and what's very what's what's interesting is that when I was a kid I and some of you may have heard the story before but when I was a kid I used to love to trade cards and trading cards was very important to me because if I had two or three of a certain person that's pretty popular like I would take one of those or two of those and I try to find somebody I don't have and I, I try to trade with my buddies and my buddies some oftentimes uh, would trade with me and I had friends of mine and, and specifically um, I had friends of mine that loved baseball cards and one of them was Jimmy like Jimmy was my he was my baseball card buddy like we would always be trading cards and and he would tell me uh you know I'll trade you this for that he would come over and we would trade cards and we would treat cards like ridiculous like now I'm looking back going I should have probably took better care of these in the beginning when I didn't know what I was doing um but I remember he would tell me nah I don't need that card that's not really important I want this card I'm like oh you're gonna have to give me two of those for this card. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're going to kind of do that bartering, kind of like, no, no, you're going to have to give me three. You're going to have to throw in Jose Canseco kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? And you have to throw in this person. You have to throw in Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey's card right there. I want that one, right? And so we would be trading on and off. And the goal was to make a great exchange. The goal was to make it uh, so that something that I have that I is worthy of getting rid of, but don't just get rid of it. Exchange it for something you can get, Right? And so that's the goal of anybody who trades. You don't want to trade down. Like, you don't be like, yeah, I'm going to trade in my Porsche for a Pinto kind of thing. You know what I mean? You just don't. Right? Now, if you want to trade a Pinto for a Porsche, God bless you. Favor rest upon you. Al Camino for Camaro. That's a very different situation, right? 
The goal is to have a great exchange. The goal is to say, I want to trade something that's not worth for something that maybe can give me something down the line. And maybe you trade something that's worth a lot now for something that may be worth something later, right? The goal is the long term with collecting cards, especially. Somebody may be hot now, but Who's going to be hot down the line and who's going to make a long-term effect? And I'll never forget I traded one, one card. I'll never forget I traded and I hate that I traded it to this day. I traded a Nolan Ryan card for a Ricky Henderson card. I got the Ricky Henderson because I loved how he stole bases. And looking back now as an adult, if I wasn't on a stage in front of you, I might punch myself in the head because... Ricky Henderson at the time was hot, but the long term was that Nolan Ryan, six no-hitters, six no-hitters. You know what that means? Some of you are like, no. Ask your neighbor after service. That's a big deal, but I traded it. I got that Ricky Henderson card because I love Ricky Henderson, but looking back, I said I should have never gave up that Nolan Ryan card. 30 years later, I'm still thinking about it. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to relive that memory. The goal was to make a great exchange. And that's this morning, we're starting our new Christmas series called The Great Exchange. The Great Exchange. And it's all about the exchanges that place God in our relationship with God And we put that in the front and we say, God, what is it that you're willing to give me if I give you this? And so one of the things we realize is that God is willing to give you a Porsche for a Pinto. We wouldn't, right? And most people logically would never make a good decision this way. But God says, I'll give you if you give me. And so we realize this in particular, this three-week Christmas series, week one, this morning, we're going to be talking about exchanging your worry for peace. Week two, we're going to be talking about exchanging your hurts for healing. Week three, we're going to be talking about exchanging your grief for joy on Christmas morning or Christmas Sunday. So first, when we talk about the most wonderful time of the year, right? Until you go to Walmart and try to find a parking spot. It's the most stressful time, right? Some of you, got a, I got a lot of amens on that one. I said some other really great things this morning, and I get amen about a parking spot, people. <laughs> Let's get our priorities in order. But you know what I'm talking about, right? We've all been there. We, we're saying, man, there's no way, man. I don't even want to, I don't even, my wife has been to Walmart more times this week than I might have been the last three months, because I won't touch it with a 10-foot pole, unless I really, really have to. Because it's stressful. Everybody's running, everybody's crazy, and everybody's rude. Not everybody, but some. Because they need to get somewhere and do something. Can I tell you something? Look at me for a moment. Slow down. Slow down and realize that there's a great exchange that happened to your benefit. We're overextended, aren't we? We are overextended, and we, so we ask, how am I going to pay for it all? How am I going to fit it all in? How am I going to uh, get past? And then we get into more deeper issues, and, and we're reminded of our deepest hurts. Some of you, the Christmas season, man, it is not 
the most peaceful time for you. Because you remember somebody that passed or you remember something that happened a Christmas long, long ago. Jesus addresses pain, hurt, and this morning what we'll be talking about is worry. Jesus addresses worry head on in one of the most important sermons ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 for just a moment here this morning. And that is kind of where we're going to be feeding a little bit of our text. But I want to tell you really quickly that worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow, but it saps today of joy. Worry. It almost never robs tomorrow of its sorrow or how sorry people feel, but it saps today of joy. Worry will sap you and drain you. And some of you in this room right now, you're not tired because you've been running. You're tired because you're running and worried. Worry has never changed an outcome for the better in its entire existence. Worry has never made anything better, but it's made a lot of people bitter. Let me bring some clarification for a moment here because there is a difference between worry and caution. Yes? There's a difference between worry and caution. And so we should be, uh, we should be understanding dangerous situations. And that's caution. That's what caution is. It's when you're concerned about certain situations and you, you, uh, you then caution someone, hey, you might want to be careful with that. And then there's worry. That's like caution on NOS, right? Caution on steroids. It's caution realizing to the 10th degree, even to the point of sickness. Some of you in this room have gotten so worried about certain things and you build so much anxiety that you worry about something that never, ever will happen. There is also a difference between worry and wisdom. Being conservative in your decision-making doesn't mean you're worrying. It might just mean you're wise. Slowly enter into a decision. Slowly enter something that you're not sure about. See, another clarification that I wanted to bring to you this morning is simply this. We are also not talking about certain kinds of anxiety that have to do with trauma that you've been through, perhaps a struggle or depression. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the kind of worry that we could avoid. Some of the things that, that you are in control of and that your personality puts itself toward. And some of you, you worry so much about such things that you can never change. And you know what those things are. Jesus addresses these things, and I want to talk about it before it gets too crazy, before we're right in the middle of this thing, and now we're, some of you are full throttle already. You got your tree up. Who's got the tree up, yeah? You got your kind of situation ready to go, and some of you are like, no, don't remind me. I just got worried because you mentioned that, and now I'm behind. Listen, don't, don't, don't. Did you know that Christmas will still come even if you got decorations up or not? Even if you bought all your gifts or not, Christmas is still here. So take a big deep breath sometimes and just say, you know what, I choose, and some, some of you need to tell yourself, I choose not to worry. I choose not to worry. 
So let's define worry for a moment in a real casual sense. Can we do that? A little bit more in a practical sense. So worry. Worry is allowing your mind to dwell on potentially negative outcomes beyond our actual control. You allow that worry, that concern to be bigger than your ability to control it. So it becomes this massive monster that you can't tame, which you created yourself. So uh, Jesus addressed it this way. We're going to move, and Matthew 5 is where it begins, but we're going to concentrate our effort in Matthew chapter 6. So turn one more chapter up to chapter 6. And the Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 5. It has been called the greatest, uh, one of the greatest sermons ever preached, if not the greatest sermon ever preached. It dealt with so many things. But I want to just focus from verse 25 to 34. It's nine verses, and it's worth reading. So I don't have them all on the screen. I just have this portion. But what I would like you to do is to open it and see it in your Bible and read it Um, And follow along with me as I read it out loud. That is why, this is chapter 6, verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, and they're here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he certainly cares for you. So why do you have so little faith? He goes on to say this, verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father also already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Notice, for a moment, seek the kingdom of God and above all else. And live righteously. Right? People want to claim that. They don't live righteous, but they say, I want to claim all his promises, but do none of the commitment part. Right? So he says, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Last verse. Here it is. Bring it home. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. And somebody said, Jesus hit it right on the head on this one. Jesus mentions worry five times in nine verses. Five times in nine verses in this text I just read. I love it how I heard this story one time of a man who who, uh, gave the entire Sermon on the Mount verbatim. He memorized it, preached it as a sermon verbatim. After the service, a lady came up to him and said, I appreciate those words, but you know, you could have added a little drama to it and added a little more context that would have been more like what Jesus said. 
It was verbatim what Jesus said. How much more do we want? Listen, listen, isn't it true that we always feel like there's never enough? Even if it was Jesus' words, some of us are just quick to dismiss it. I'm telling you, Jesus is not quick to dismiss your worries. But he, what he is quick to dismiss is your fears. Listen, you don't need that fear. Here, take my peace. Take my Porsche. Hand me your Pinto. Because I realize one thing is for sure. There's nothing in this world that you need more than his peace to start, right? So listen, salvation, salvation aside, we need a salvation. I'm saying that once we walk in his salvation, we need to walk in understanding that he is the prince of peace. And so he's saying, listen, I love how it goes out in this text and it says this. It says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. He's comparing in our situation. Listen, unbelievers worry about those things. Don't be that. See, worry is also unhelpful. How many agree with that? Worry is unhelpful. It doesn't actually change anything. Some would even say that worry is, is unchristian, some would even say. Because that's what Paul kind of said here, didn't he? He said, if you worry about these things, it's like unbelievers worry about that. Why are you acting like an unbeliever? Did I say that? No. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. He said that, listen, your worry and your concern, that's like someone that doesn't know me. That's what they're going to talk about. That's what they're going to think about. So the big question this morning, the big question that you may be asking, and I hope that you kind of begin to, to settle is, how do I change my worry? Because I'm a worry wart. How many know, how many are a worry wart or you know somebody that is? You've seen it happen. How many? So I don't know which one is which. That's why I asked two questions. I'm not trying to isolate you. There's things that I worry about. I laugh because my wife and I are so different in a lot of things. There's things that I worry about that she's like, chill. And then there's things that she worries about that I'm like, chill. And when I say chill, she don't like it. When she says chill, I don't like it. But we say it to each other because we're like, relax, take a deep breath. And I don't like hearing that. Because I like to be passionate about what I want to be passionate about. How many know what I'm talking about? That's just the way I am. You know that's a bad excuse. We've heard, we talked about this before, right? Don't ever use that's just the way that I am because what that means is I don't want to change, so leave me alone. I like my sinner self. Okay, never mind. I'm going to move on. Let's move on. My sinful habits got a hold of me and I don't want you to tell me about them. That's what that means. Okay, move on. That was the last one. Honest, it was the last one. So how do we exchange our worry for his peace? Listen, I'm, I'm going to give you some tips. Write this thing down. The back, somewhere in your bulletin or something, write this down. How do you exchange? And the first thing is you do is you let Jesus be king. Ask yourself this question. What deserves the most time and attention in my thought life? Is it that worry? Is it that concern? Let Jesus be king of your heart. You know what? I'm going to choose not to be worrying about that thing because Jesus is king. When you put his kingdom first and you make God's kingdom and his purpose your priority and your primary concern, you don't have to worry about a lot of things in your life. Listen, I'm not saying it's a perfect formula. I'm saying that he's a perfect formula. 
We're still going to have those moments where we're like, man, Pastor Tony, I love Jesus and I loved him a long time, but I still worry. Guess what? Some of that is still choice. Some of that is still you worrying because you choose to worry. God's not going to make you choose him. He's not going to make you choose him. You're going to have to choose to let Jesus be king. You ever watched an award show and an artist comes up, they get an award, the first thing they do, they want to thank their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for a song that had expletives in it and the entire album was parental advisory and they, they want to thank their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't give you the words to that album? I'm just going to throw that out there. So it's very easy to say, right? It's very easy to say, I want to thank the Lord. He's my king. I want to thank this and I want to thank that. That's very easy. But I'm, I get a little bit tired of that idea because I genuinely know that God gives people talents and gifts and abilities. But sometimes people misuse them. Is that right? I love what William Law once said, and I think I'll have this on the screen here. It says this, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen instead. <laughs> that spoke to me. If you don't choose Jesus Christ first, it doesn't matter in the end what you chose instead of him. Everyone will give an account as to whether he was first or not. It took me a long time to realize this truth, friends. Can I be honest with you? The secret to a happy life is to put God the first part of my day, the first part of the decision, and the first place in my heart. That's, that's a formula to help me worry less if he is at the forefront of everything I do. So many bad decisions were made without this statement that Jesus was first. In the New Testament, the verses that the Lord draws a line in the sand, let's look at two of them really quickly. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I address that with the award ceremony. They, they honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from. Now, I'm not just going to pick on athletes or musicians. There's a lot of people that talk a good game when they're at work. But they live their lives in a different manner. Jesus draws a line and he says, listen, draw, draw a line, but know, that, know what side you're on. Right? Know the side that you're on and, and decide not to worry about all the other things and what everybody else is going to think about you, what everybody else is going to say about you. You know, that's a hard thing. I don't know it's hard to accept that truth that I don't care what everybody thinks about me. That's hard, right? How many would agree with that? That's a hard thing to swallow because... Our perception is important to us. But is Jesus king? That's a very important part. If I'm not king, then who is? Revelation 2.4 But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Your first love. How I many know that love that I'm talking about, right? I remember that first love. My wife and I were in college. We have a phone's. And it was curfew because in my college at the time, they had curfews. And we'd go back to our room and we would call after spending six hours together. I'll call you as soon as I get back, baby. Call up. Boop, 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 boop. Hi, it's me. How you doing? 
I know I just saw you a minute ago, but how you doing? And we spent hours on the phone. I can neither confirm nor deny that I fell asleep with the phone in my ear. I can neither confirm nor deny that, no, you first, you hang up first, no, you. No, you. No, you. Okay, I'm hanging up. No, you first. You know what I'm talking about? That first, that, that, gym, that little butterfly feeling that, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And so hours and hours, and then we go back to the room, spend a couple of hours, and then we get a few hours of sleep, and then we wake each other up. Hey, good morning. Those are the days you don't have to worry about if you brush your teeth first because it was over the phone. Right? My wife is like, too much information. Stop. <laughs> first love. Do you remember when you first found out the promise that Jesus has for you? Come back to that. That first love will wipe a lot of worry out of your life. How many want to wipe the worry? Just wipe the worry. You know that first love is if you just spray some of that love all upon your life right now and just wipe the worry till it's squeaky clean and say, God, I don't want to worry anymore about my situation. Let Jesus be king. Number two, live a day at a time. God gives us enough power to strength for today. Listen, God says, I gave you strength for today. Stop worrying about tomorrow and stop living in yesterday because I didn't give you energy for those things. I gave you the amount of strength you need for today. Let's take today and realize that you have a promise and you have a hope. Look at me. You have a promise, a hope, and a purpose today. I want you to know this morning that he gives you the strength to deal with whatever comes your way today. He has given you the strength. He doesn't equip you to prevent all the future things right now. He's worrying about right now, right now for you. That's what he's concerned. He's equipped you and he's fashioned you and he's furnished you with everything you need for today. Somebody say amen. You need, to, you need to say amen to that one. You need to get that because everything you face today, you're not, you're not facing it empty handed. Did you know that? Did you know that you're not facing today empty-handed? But you got to focus on the things that really help your life not to worry. Fix your focus on that. Live your life and your purpose today because one day you'll look back at your life and realize that was actually a very important moment. Isn't that true? How many look back at your life at a specific moment in your life and you think, Wow, I didn't realize back then how big that moment was, how big that decision was, right? Quick decisions that have long-term effects. I'll share the story before. My wife and I, one time we went to go buy toothpaste and a couple of items, and we, the next day we bought a Durango because they had, a, they had an entire fleet of cars in the parking lot at Walmart. And we went for toothpaste. The next day we bought a Durango. Not the same. Friends, not the same. Right? Made that spontaneous decision. I will never make that decision again. Trust me. I love the car. But it was bigger than what we needed at the time. It was just my wife and I. This big old car. And we made that decision spontaneously. Why? Well... I realized that 
in my life, there are times where I look back and I didn't realize how big that moment was. I took it real quick. But that moment was big because years later, I was still carrying because of the, the spontaneous decision I made rippled in my finances for years later because I, after I realized a few months later I shouldn't have bought this car, I traded it in and I was behind upside down and that rippled into my finances for the next few years, several years actually. And so I didn't realize and I say all that to say that little moment, it was a big deal in the long run. So take this moment, everyone look at me for a moment, take this moment and live here now. Don't let everything pass. You know, I have three young kids right now. They're still young in my eyes. And I realize as a father, I'm your pastor. I'm a friend to many of you guys. But you know that I'm a husband and a father first, right? I love you, but I'm a husband and a father first. And I realize that because many, many people that I love and admire in my life didn't put that first. And their lives were affected for a long time. Some of them, their lives ended in divorce. Their kids went a different direction. And everything fell apart for them because they didn't put their priorities. And I realized, I only have my kids for this window of time. And if I don't be a father to them, who will? If I'm not a husband to my wife, who will be? So I have to be that. So I have to realize that this moment... Right here, right now, I have to live in it. Don't be guilty or feel guilty about doing the things that God has called you to do. But understand this. God has called you for a purpose and a plan. Louis E. Boone once said this. The saddest summary of a life contains three descriptions. Could have, might have, and should have. That is a sad, sad moment. I don't want to live like that, nor should you. Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, don't worry about those things. Live here now. God has given you the power, the purpose, and the plan to do all those things now. Live there. Embrace it and be here. Are you hearing me? Be here. Don't be in tomorrow. Tomorrow hasn't happened. Third thing is simply this. And this is real short, real thought, real thought out. Are you ready? Lean on the faithfulness of God. Now hear me. Lean on the faithfulness of God. That is, talk to God about it. Let him remind you of his promises. Some of you said God isn't speaking, but you haven't cracked open your Bible in months. Don't tell me God isn't speaking and your Bible's been closed. If the only time you open your Bible is on Sunday, you got this thing wrong. Let God speak to you through his holy word, yes? Let, let God enlighten you because there's things that, that he will speak to you that be greater than any sermon I could ever preach to you. I like to believe that you walk away with something here on Sunday morning, that you walk away and I work very hard to put together a message that's going to matter to you. But listen, that is Holy Spirit impressed and Holy Spirit driven. But at the end of the day, it's your heart being open to his word that's going to make the difference of how powerful or impactful that message is. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can preach you a message in your bedroom? Shut off the TV. 
Put your phone on silent. Yes, turn off the notifications. Yes, that's crazy, I know. Shut it off and get with God and just read. But I have the Bible on my phone and I have the Bible on my iPad. I do too. But it is a trap sometimes because all kinds of stuff is bling, bling, bling all over the place. And now I can't even escape it because I have a watch that tells me stuff. So everything's speaking to me now. Sometimes I just have to shut it off, shut everything off and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. You get a chance this week, read Matthew 5 and 6. Just nothing else. 5 and 6, read it and understand that God has called you to trade your worry for peace. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know what Paul said here? Two things. One, tell God about it. Prayer, right? Two, thank God for what he's done. Talk and thank. Thank and talk. Talk and thank. Thank and talk. Do that every time you pray. Thankfulness allows me to realize the God that I'm serving. Because when I thank him for enough things, when I start to really thank him, look at me for a moment. When I start to thank him for what he's given me, I realize how big he is. And my prayers change. Do you hear what I'm saying? My prayers change when I start to think of how big he's been and how many things he's done. Has he done something for you and your family? Has God done something for you? See, because we can sit back and we can think about how bad 2019 has been. We can sit back and go, well, this happened wrong and that happened wrong. How about we stop for a moment and say, this went right and this went right and God blessed me here. Come on, somebody. Stop thinking about all the things that went wrong. Yes? That's easy. Don't cop out. Think about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and lean on his faithfulness, not the unfaithfulness of the world. Well, that person said this about me, and that person said that about me, and we can do that till I'm blue in the face, right? But thank God. So what's our point here? Number one, let Jesus be king. Number two, live every day as its own. And third, lean on God's faithfulness. The great exchange is all about you taking life today for what is here today. The great exchange is about saying, God, I realize that I have things that I can give you that really are hurt. They are painful. They are I regret a decision I made this year. I regret this circumstance. And God says, give me that. I got something shiny for you. I got something beautiful for you. Take it. It's already yours. It's already yours. It's time to claim it. It's time to claim your gifts today. So as you think about what you're going through in your life, I want you for a moment to think about what God is willing to give you in result. So when you go through your day, when you go through your, this chaos that we're about to ensue on, how many know that you're, it's almost like you're about to hop on a carousel that's going way too fast and is already moving? How many know that the holidays can feel like that, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, some of you, are you some of you getting what I'm saying right now? 
you're about to hop on a carousel that's going 10 times too fast. It's already begun. And you have to get a running start. How many know what I'm talking about? God says, listen, all your worry, all your concern, trade it. I'll give you something. And it's better than what you're going to give me. Trust me. Amen? Can I ask you to bow your heads right where you are? Every single person at the sound of my voice. Every single person at the sound of your voice. Right now, just bow your head. And we're going to pray. Because I realize that in this room, there's some of you that have walked into this room today. And you're worrying. You're concerned. You've been overwhelmed. I want to just give you an opportunity right now to do something you probably haven't done all week. Take a deep breath and say, God, you're still in control. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every person at the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to each and every person that God has walked in with worry, concern, that hasn't really gotten a hold of everything you have for them. I pray today you give them the joy, the grace, and most of all, God, would you give them the peace that passes all understanding. Father, I'm asking you today that they would trade and exchange the greatest exchange was Jesus. We know that. Our sin for the Savior. That was the greatest exchange. But today, God, I'm asking you for every person in this room that you allow them to see the great exchange was focused on you. May they too receive that gift that is available, that peace. Give them that peace, God, that they need. The peace that passes all understanding, give them that peace. Lord, we can be overwhelmed, but I'm asking you today, Overwhelm us with your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. May we give the great exchange a chance in our own lives. Give our sin and receive a Savior. You died for us. Give us hope, we pray. In Christ's name.